You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. If you remember from last time I spoke like two months ago, remember I, I'm used to speaking in front of teenagers. They're very, uh, they give a lot back. So there's a lot of like fill in the blanks, questions. I need crowd participation. That's how this works. I need it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. All right. How many of you um, heard Andrew's message last week? How many of you were here for that? About being made for glory, walking in the glory that we have been given. It was awesome. If you weren't here, highly, highly recommend the podcast. It is amazing. Totally wrecked me. And I've heard from many, many people that it was just um, really kind of life-changing, which is awesome. Do you remember when he said, um, he said, are you saying, Andrew, are you saying that I can love God and do whatever I want? And the answer was, yes. Yes, you can. You can love God and do whatever you want. And then he followed that up with, but then let me know where their life is in that. Then come back to me and tell me how that's working for you, if there's life in that. So I'm kind of going to piggyback on that idea um, because we've learned, right, that our God is not a God of right and wrong. He's not a God of, of ethics and morals, but he's a God of life and death right? Is, is there life in the choice I'm making today? Are the thoughts in my head, the actions I'm partaking in, the people I'm surrounding myself with, is there life there? Is there abundant life in that? So I want to unpack the idea of what life in the kingdom actually looks like, because I believe there's an element of this that we're missing. And actually, we're probably going to get to heaven and realize that there's a lot that we're missing. But today, I'm going to unpack this one idea for us. So um, there's a challenge here, right? We have to do nothing for love. How many would agree with that? God's love, free. Grace, free. Salvation, free. We just step into the belief of it. Step into believing what he's done for us is full and complete. But I'm going to challenge us today that abundant life is actually going to require something. Okay? So let me go ahead and preface. I'm going to get all this out of the way, and we're going to come back to it a couple of times. But I'm going to preface this and say that what this message is not, because I need you to understand what it's not so that you can get over the stumbling blocks and the hurdles in your mind, and we can just be present together, okay? I'm going to tell you what it's not right up front so that if your brain starts to say, oh, well, this is just a works message, or, oh, she's saying I have to do this, that, and the other thing to earn God's love, or, oh, she's saying whatever, fill in the blank. You can know right up front that I'm telling you it's not that, so be present with me, set all that junk aside, be present and receive what it is, and don't get hung up on what it is not, okay? This is not a morality message. This is not a um, right or wrong message, a do this to get closer to God message. This is not works or a step-by-step, Danielle's step-by-step guide, okay? That's not what this is. Because how close are we to God? As close as you can possibly be. You can get no closer. You can do nothing to chase him. He's not running away. He's not far from you. He's actually literally physically inside of you. Cannot separate. How much do we have to do to gain more of his love? Nothing. What about his attention? Affection. Nothing. So we're establishing that. At least two of you believe it. Um, So, But this is a message on discipline. charismatic naughty word discipline all right i'll get back to that later okay hold on to that word discipline for me remember that's where we're going 
So Andrew talked about this idea of life and death, right and wrong. And I'm going to be in a lot of different places today, but we're going to start in Romans 6. So turn with me. We're going to go from the back to the front to the very end, 623. I think that's the very end, close to the end. Romans 623 says, For we know that the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is. This is how he works, right? Death, life. Life and death. The gift of God, implying that it's free, it costs us nothing. We know this, right? He brought us from death to life. So I would challenge us to say that every thought, question, idea, everything that comes to us should be met with a question. Is this life-giving? Is the thought in my head right now giving me life? Is this relationship I'm partaking in giving me life? Is this activity I'm choosing to partake in giving me life? Is this relationship I'm entering into, is this life-giving for me? Is there life in this? He came to be, bring life and life more abundantly. You guys know the word. I love it. He loves life so much that he literally calls himself it. He calls himself the way, the truth, and the. If God is attributing himself to something, you know that it's important. If he calls himself life, that's how important it is because he literally attributes himself to it, right? It's very important. So church, is there anything you can do to make God love you more? Is there anything you can do to earn your salvation? Can you love God and do whatever you want? Yes, you can. And will you be living abundant life? I'm going to challenge you and say, no, you're not. Because why? We're going to read Romans 6, 15 through the end. So just hang on, okay? What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you know that to whom you, are, you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves to whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's that's kind of the gospel, right? Okay, right. So let's establish some truths out of that. So let's establish some truths there. You are no longer a slave to sin. Meaning you can now look at sin and go, I don't have to participate in that. I'm not required to participate in that. Um, I do not have to live that way anymore. True story. Before Jesus, you were required to live that way. You were required to behave that way. Now, did you lose your ability to sin? No. You just lost your ability to enjoy that. I totally stole that from Andrew. Totally. Ripped him right off. Um, (laughs) Totally did. But you also lost your requirement to it. Another truth we can establish, grace is not an excuse to sin, right? We all agree. Grace is not an excuse to sin, okay? And one more little truth for us, and then we're going to move on. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to 
fulfill it. Meaning that every ounce of the law was fulfilled in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And the details, guys, if you look into this, the details surrounding the crucifixion, surrounding the burial, are so specific in order for the law to be completely fulfilled. Things had to happen in a very specific way so that every ounce of the law would be complete and fulfilled in him. There are parts and pieces of the law that are completely impossible to uphold and thank him for him because he paid it all so that there were no longer were no longer measured through the lens of justice without the person of Jesus. He sits on the mercy seat. So here's what I think we're missing. We've got those truths. Here's what I think we're missing. Grace isn't an excuse to sin. Just like we need to get a hold of that, your freedom is not an excuse to live outside of kingdom principles. The law was completed in the person of Jesus. And so often we're saying, I'm not a slave to sin, and I'm no longer under the law in the same sentence. But we're missing a piece here that the law and spiritual principles are different. They're different. There are things that have been set in place from the beginning of time that are spiritual principles that we have to step into. Actually, we don't have to step into them. They're going to happen whether we step into them or not. And they're not the law. They're different. The law has been fulfilled. Perfect example. Jesus said in Matthew 5, the law says, don't murder. But I say, anyone who has anger in his heart and calls his brother a fool is in danger of hellfire. Why does he say that? Because he's looking at the heart. What he's, not, what he's talking about here is a spiritual principle and not the law. Because the law is do not murder. And the spiritual principle is danger or anger in your heart is just as dangerous. He's looking at the heart. Why am I bringing this particular one up? Because not once in my life have I ever struggled <laughs> with, with do not murder. I've never, I've never struggled with that. You can, you can just be happy that I've never, like, wanted to or, impact or uh, acted on an impulse to kill someone. Never, okay? But have I, <laughs> but have I been angry? Mm, yeah. Have I called that crazy lady in traffic an idiot? Probably more times than I should count. And my toddler's starting to repeat stuff, so I have to be real careful, you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, repeating everything. Absolutely. I don't think there's anybody in the room struggling with the law that says do not murder. So it's really easy then to say, I'm not under the law, right? But where the rubber meets the road is when we start talking about things like mm, tithing and saying, I'm not under the law. But we're missing a spiritual principle that's in place. We're missing it. Here, let's talk about this in Malachi 3.10. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse and try me. Literally, it's in the word. God says, try me. It's like, come at me, bro. Try me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not enough room to receive it. Hold on. Bring the tithes into the storehouse and try me if I will not open the windows of heaven. So no, you're no longer under the law, but here's a spiritual principle. Tithe, open windows of heaven. Who wants open windows of heaven? Hello? This is a spiritual principle that we're a part of. How about this one? Raise up a child in the way he should go, and specifically when he is older. So just a message for my moms in the room of like, I don't know, teenagers or young adults. It doesn't say 
They won't act a fool when they're a teenager. <laughs> okay? It just says when they are older. So hold on to that promise. When they are older. There is no time expiration on that. Okay? Yeah, my mom can preach about that, but shh. shh. Okay? When they are older. That's a spiritual principle in place, in place right? Raise up a child, and when he is older. Spiritual principle. Okay? How about this one? Honor your mother and father that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Yeah. It's the only commandment that comes with a promise literally attached to it. Come on. So it's a spiritual principle that's in place. Honor your mother and father. Live long in the earth. Hello? We're getting somewhere here. You ready for this? These are principles in place whether you like it or not. The law can be very easily be disobeyed, but a spiritual principle is like gravity. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. What goes up is going to come down. Okay? That's what I'm talking about here today. So let's come back to that uh, charismatic naughty word. Ooh, discipline. <laughs> Ooh. Just for you. How many of you have heard the old phrase, you threw the baby out with the bathwater? You've heard this? Do you know what this means? I'll give you an adorable picture. My kid is so cute, and bath time is like one of the cutest things ever with a little, chi- little kid, right? Um, it means that we've taken something really good, and we've tossed it out just because the water was dirty. So it's like I looked at Everett, my two-year-old son, and I saw the dirty bath water around him because he is a two-year-old boy, so every time he takes a bath, it's dirty water. <laughs> it's just what it is, right? And I saw that yucky water and went to remove it, but in the process, I took Everett out and threw him out too. That doesn't sound like a good idea. In a quiet moment with Jesus, he spoke to me very clearly and simply about something that I want to share with you today. He said to me, you've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. You've thrown discipline out in the name of religion. You saw religion, you knew it was yucky, and you wanted to get rid of it. So anything that looked remotely like religion got tossed And I made discipline and religion synonyms in my heart. And I want to tell you, they're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. So I started living like a completely undisciplined Christian because I'm free from religion and I'm free from the law. I ain't got to do nothing, right? But that's not entirely true. It's not true. Mm. I think he gave me this word for more than just myself because I think we've gotten real religious about not being religious. And we're missing some pretty big stuff because of it. I think we've tossed out discipline in the name of religion and spiritual principles in the name of the law. And we're not living as a principled people. (laughs) Okay. I think we've tossed out discipline in the name of religion and spiritual principles in the name of the law. That's not God's design. So I'm going to share a couple of, of stories, testimonies one of which I was not planning to share until this morning, and God totally dropped it in as a picture, and I'm going to get real vulnerable with you guys, okay? Here's the first one. There was a season in my life where I was incredibly religious about my quiet time with the Lord, largely in part because I was in a ministry school that required us to have one every day before breakfast. But that religious requirement bore some of the most beautiful times with Jesus that I've ever had. I was hearing him clearly I was having deep, wonderful, connected times of worship, and we felt very connected to one another. 
breaking free from the religious aspect of that season of my life, which is an entirely different story unto itself, was very important and crucial to my freedom and life in him. But I threw the baby right out with the bathwater. Because the element of discipline was actually a beautiful place where he met me and he spoke to me. The spiritual principle there, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I was hiding the word in my heart. Yeah, it, was, it had to come through my head and my eyes to get there, right? But because I was honoring him and sitting down and taking the time every day, even though it was born out of a place of religion in my heart, he honored me, the word I have hidden in your heart and I have not sinned against you. And he and I were very close to one another. I had to get free from a lot of stuff out of that season, but I threw the discipline right along with it. So here's the story I wasn't planning on sharing. Whew, you ready for this? When I was in college, I struggled uh, with an eating disorder. It's pretty significant. I lived at about 35 pounds lighter than I am today, um, and that was my truth. That was my reality. I was in the gym three to four hours every single day and was uh, not retaining anything that I put in my body coming right back up, okay? And I lived like that for uh, about a year to two years, probably a year and a half, right? That was religion. This is the picture for us, church. Religion kills. Religion wastes away, and I wasted away physically. My skin was gray. My eyes had no color. It was not a good time, not a good season in my life. But Jesus totally set me free. I got completely set free from it. And then what I did was I said, I'm free. <laughs> and I went into the season of release that I believe was completely God-ordained for my life. And he rid me from the scales on my eyes. And I ate whatever the heck I wanted. And I never worked out, not a day, not once. And I went from being about 35 pounds less than I am right now to about 35 pounds more than I am right now. Okay? That was fun. I really kind of enjoyed that. But here's the deal. I got rid of the religion that was killing me, and I left the discipline right along with it and came over here and got all free, right? And I had no discipline in my life. And when I got free and I really met the person of Jesus, he was able to bring me right back to health, right? And discipline is going to usher in a healthy relationship with Jesus into our life, okay? Whew, I got through it. I'm still standing here. All right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Mm. What I'm not saying is Jesus will only speak to you at 5 a.m. before breakfast during your required quiet time. <laughs> what I am saying is this. I'm in covenant, intimate relationship with my husband. And this is the very best picture that I have for what an intimate relationship with Jesus looks like on this earth. There's a reason why he calls us his bride. There's a reason why he likens us to a covenant marriage, right? This is the picture that we have, okay? If our marriage existed with no discipline, you guys would look at us and be really concerned, okay? If we were never spending time to each other. Guys, we discipline ourselves in marriage to keep our thoughts our attentions, our affections, and our words for one another, right? It takes discipline. It's not easy. I made vows to him that represent our covenant to one another, and it's my love for him along with discipline and a desire that drive me to uphold them, yes? In the same way, being in the word and in the presence every day can absolutely be an act of that yucky religion that we hate, 
but it can also be a disciplined act of intimacy and covenant. And it's attached to more spiritual principles than I can possibly name. Joyful is he who obeys the laws. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. That's a spiritual principle, right? How do I stay pure? Obey the word. Obey the word to stay pure. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Spiritual principle. I'm in the word. My path is lit. Yes? Okay. Jump into Psalm 119 at some point. Not right now. For promises that are attached to specifically to his word. Okay? There's a lot of them. A lot. We cannot do anything whatsoever to earn him. But hear me when I say that sowing and reaping is a spiritual principle that we cannot ignore. That's ultimately boiling down to what I'm talking about today. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Sow mercy. Reap mercy. Yes? That, I don't know if you caught that, but that actually requires us to do something. Yeah? That requires us to sow in mercy. Blessed are the merciful. Sow mercy. Reap mercy. Something had to be done there to receive that. And there is a direct correlation to what we're sowing and reaping. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness, sow in meekness, reap the earth as your inheritance. How about this one? Where did it go? (laughs) I don't know. I'll find it. Are you hearing me when I say that you have nothing to do to earn your salvation and can do nothing to make him love you anymore, need to do nothing to access his fullness, but there are things that we have to sow in order to reap life more abundantly that he died for. Take a look at the Beatitudes one day and the principle of actually being a disciplined, committed, sold-out lover of Jesus comes real clear. It becomes real clear. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How many of you want to see God? Hello? Purity of heart takes discipline. We already established, how can a young person stay pure? Live by the word, sowing and reaping. So be in the word, reap purity of heart, see God. Whoa, this is spiritual principle. Church, I think we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater when discipline and spiritual principles go out the door with religion. My sincere desire for Andy and for his heart is to be a loving wife, a companion, a helpmeet, right? And to be intimately connected to him. And it drives me to behave a certain way. It drives my behavior. Not because I want to earn his love, because single ladies, let me look at you. If you've got to earn his love and affection, if you've got to fight to earn it, you're going to fight to keep it. Okay? That's not what we're talking about. Okay? Um, uh, But because my desire is to be more and more connected to him and remove any hindrance that's keeping us from being intimately connected to one another. That's the design of the garden. That's what Jesus wants for me. He wants us to be intimately connected to one another and to remove every hindrance and stumbling block. And I have to do nothing to earn that love. I just have to step into it and believe it. But there are spiritual principles and things that I can be doing. My behavior will reflect a bride giddy for her wedding day. Are we modeling a bride desperate for the bridegroom? No, you don't have to do anything to make him love you. But if people around you aren't hungry, it's because they're not seeing you eat. What are we doing to drive the people around us to be hungry for the Lord? Are they seeing you eat? Mm. We need to be 
a principled and disciplined people who are so passionately in love with Jesus that being with him flows out of us, not because of religion, but because we are ready, ready for our wedding day. Fully loved, fully free, fully clean, <laughs> free of guilt, spotless, and absolutely giddy, and it's driving our behavior to show it. Guys, Jay said two weeks ago when he, when he spoke that his disciplines are for us to enjoy him. Here's the difference. If you're reading the word every single day because you're required to and you're getting there and you're like, okay, I've got to read six chapters today. Ooh, okay, here we go. That's religion. But if you're hopping on your lawnmower because you know that's where Jesus speaks to you and you are giddy to hear Jesus speak to you on your lawnmower, that's discipline, right, Andrew? Because I want to get in the yard. That's where God talks to me. I got to get out there, right? It's hot out there. I'm glad he speaks to you out there. He speaks to me in the air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll preach. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. If you're reading the word because it's a requirement, it's religion. If you're desperate to get to know him better, it's discipline. Hmm. We cannot boil the down. We can't. <laughs> Andrew has said this often, right? We can't boil the gospel down to a set of principles to live by. Christianity is not, is not marked by its principles, but by its passion. But our passion has to drive us to behave a certain way. When we get changed internally, we change our behavior. It just happens. It's an offshoot of him, him living inside of us, right? Hmm. We can't live as an unprincipled people. Because it's our love for him that drives us. There are so many areas. I thought about getting into some areas of discipline that we can really welcome into our lives. I shared, I shared my personal example of an eating disorder and food and health, right? That's an area of discipline that I think we as Christians need. And let me just say this. Totally did not plan on saying it. But we need to be the most beautiful people on the earth, okay? I want people to look at Christians and go, man, I, wanna, I want that life. Those people are healthy in every way. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, dang, they're healthy. I want some of that. And we live in a world that's driven by physical appearance and health, right? We want them to see what we've got and be like, dang, those people are awesome. Okay, anyway, just saying. Um, all right, cool. So we want to be a disciplined people. What about what we're setting our eyes to? Are we disciplining ourselves what we're setting our eyes to? How about the words of our mouth? Are we using discipline we're using discipline there, is the passion that we have for Jesus driving us, driving our behavior. Hmm. I am the vine and you are the? He who abides in and I in bears much fruit. For without me you can do? It's not a formula or a religious equation. It's a spiritual principle. Abide in him and he will abide in you. So we already know what this message is not, but here's what it is short. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Here's what it is. <laughs> it's an encouragement to look at where we may have thrown the baby out with the bathwater in our own lives. It's a call to a desire for the bridegroom, a challenge to welcome discipline as it relates to spiritual principles in our lives that will reap abundant life for us. And it's an invitation to a lifestyle that makes people around you hungry because they're seeing you eat. Okay? 
Jesus sees the heart, and that right there is the difference between discipline versus religion and spiritual principles versus the law. It's the heart, okay? All right, stand up with me. Okay, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. We thank you for the spiritual principles that you set in place so that when we become a people that sow, we reap abundantly. You established our spiritual principles for our abundant life, for our goodness. Yeah, that's who you are, Jesus. So right now, Father, I just ask that you reveal to our hearts the places where we've tossed discipline out with religion. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus, we welcome discipline in our lives as it relates to us being a passionate lover of you. May our behaviors and our thoughts and our actions make people around us hungry. We want to be a bride, a bride that <laughs> whose behavior is driven by a passionate love for you. Yeah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. He is good. He is good. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.